Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for all that you're doing in the life of this church. We thank you, Lord, that we made it to 2011. Lord, this month we are officially 20 years old as a congregation. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings and your mercy upon us all. Lord, give us hearts to hear your word right now. Amen. Amen. We are so blessed today to have uh, Elder Greg Harrell come and bring the word for us. He's been an elder here for several years. And uh, so blessed to have him. They moved to Granbury, arrived here on a Saturday night, stayed in a hotel, and looked in the yellow pages and found our church and have been coming here ever since. Praise the Lord. We're very blessed to have you. Bring the word, bro. Well, good morning. Morning, everybody. Can you hear me okay? Happy New Year. Praise God. Praise God. There's a lot more to the story that Pastor Allen ought to tell about us arriving here in Granbury, but that's for another time. Okay, so it's my privilege and my honor to preach this morning the first Sunday of this new year of 2011, and I'm, I'm privileged to do that. This is a, this is a time of year where, you know, Maybe you have been introspective over the last few days. You're thinking about, well, where am I at with the Lord? Where am I at in regards to my walk? It's a tendency that we all have, and I think it's a good tendency for us to measure where we're at. And maybe you've done that, and as you've looked at it, you go, you know what? I'm in a dry place. I'm not feeling the way that I think I ought to feel about my walk with the Lord. Maybe sometime during 2010, you took an emotional torpedo or a a physical torpedo. And because of that, you were distracted from your walk with the Lord. And you want to get back to that place. Well, be encouraged, brothers and sisters, because today we're going to talk about how do we get back to that place where we can have a good, loving walk with the Lord. Amen? I'm excited about it. I'm excited about it. If you don't know where your place is in the kingdom, I hope that when you leave this sanctuary this morning, you're going to be re-energized to go out into 2011 and take up your place in the kingdom. We're going to be focusing on two main scriptures today. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Deuteronomy 6. Deuteronomy 6. And then we're going to turn on over into the New Testament, and we're going to focus, I want you to find Mark 12. Mark 12. While you're finding those scriptures, I just want to talk to you about how this this word came to be. I want you to know that it's a simple message. It's simple. We're going to talk about loving the Lord. But it's foundational in its nature. You see, we are... The church, we are the ecclesia, we are the called out of the Lord. And I've talked to you about this in the past from this very pulpit, about the fact that we are actually called out of this culture, this world, by God. As a matter of fact, God tells us time and time and time again, be holy as I am holy. Wow, be holy as I am holy. But you know, we live in a world that is full of background noise. And and particularly in our culture, that background noise is extremely powerful. I call it marketing. But what 
the culture tells us is, well, they're telling us a bunch of lies. They're telling us a bunch of lies is what it boils down to. And even though we desire to walk as holy people called by God, walk in obedience to Him, we hear these voices that are constantly coming at us. And now we have another challenge, and we just got done with the Truth Project. And the Truth Project told us time and time again that, you know, our culture is no longer delivering a message of truth. And we need to go back and we need to find out really what the truth is because the culture is going to tell you there's no absolute truth anymore. Well, I'm here to tell you that there absolutely is a truth. And it's right here. Praise God. Praise God. Okay. So we're not going to, we're not going to talk about what the world wants. We're going to talk about what the world is telling us. Today I want to address only three, only three, and there's a lot of them, but the Lord has asked me to address only three of the cultural messages, the worldly messages that affect our ability to love the Lord. Okay. These are messages that we need to overcome in order for us to, to love God more deeply. The three messages are this, that we're hearing from the world, from our flesh, from perhaps even the enemy. Message number one that we need to overcome. Love is a feeling. Love is a feeling. Message number two that we need to overcome in 2011. It's all about you. Whoa. It's all about you. And message number three that we're going to need to overcome in 2011 is we can have it now. So let's sail off into the Scriptures. Let's go to Deuteronomy 6. This passage is something that you ought to be familiar with. It is the central confession of faith for Jews. It's their foundation of faith for the Jews. And this is given, this is the Lord speaking through Moses to the children of Israel before they go into the land. And Moses, in this particular passage, I mean, he's going on and on and on telling the children of Israel what they are going to do when they get into the land that the Lord God has promised them. So let's just look at this. Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love, everybody say it with me, you shall love. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. Pretty simple. Let's go on over to Mark, the 12th chapter. We're going to start in verse 28. And I'll let you turn over there. I particularly like... This passage out of Mark, um, this same uh, incident is related in Matthew 22, but I like this, this passage for what we're talking about today. And this is a time where the, the, the scribes and the Pharisees, they're literally challenging Jesus as he ministers in Jerusalem. And they're coming at him with, well, what about this, Jesus? What about that, Jesus? 
And then one of the scribes, we'll start reading in verse 28, the Matthew version of this says, one of the scribes, a lawyer, came and having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? Jesus answered him, the first of all commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love, everybody say it, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second, like it, is this. You shall love, everybody say it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So the scribe said to him, Well said, teacher, you have spoken the truth, for there is no God, I mean, for there is one God, and there is no other but he. And to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself, is more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Now, when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, that is the scribe, you, you are not far from the kingdom of God. Wow. I want you to take that passage, you are not far from the kingdom of God. I want you to put it in your pocket for a little bit. We're going to pull it out here in a minute. You ever seen that? You are not far from the kingdom of God. Here's a guy that is questioning Jesus, and i got to tell you, in the end, he walks away from that, and that's quite a commendation in my mind. So let's go back to what I want to talk about today. Pardon me. Let's take the first point, that love is a feeling. Well, we just read the scriptural truth that the love of God that love is actually commanded by God. When I typed this in my word processor, my word processor underlined it saying, that's not grammatically correct. Love commanded. And so it's pretty funny. The culture is going to tell us, and we are constantly bombarded with the message that, that love is an emotion, it's a feeling, it's something nebulous. Matter of fact, our songs tell us that I messed around and fell in love. You know? You know, the culture's going to deliver a message that says, hey, situation's normal, and then one day we wake up and we find ourselves in love. Like there's nothing to it. Boom! It's automatic. We talk about falling in love with somebody. And we talk about love at first sight. Unfortunately, because... The culture is constantly delivering this message about loving in this manner. That it's just something that boom, happens. It's emotional. We fall in the trap of what I call conditional and emotional love. You see? And this is one of the ways that we as Christians can get into trouble. When we start walking down the path of thinking like the world, and we begin to believe that love is just simply an emotion that it's conditional in its nature instead of obeying the commandments that we just heard about and saying, you know what? 
I'm going to listen to the commandment of God. I'm going to rely on him. I am going to obey his commandment. He tells me I shall love him. And I'm going to pursue that. If we, can do, if we don't do that, our relationship with the Lord is really built on a, an unstable foundation. Do you see that? you see that? It's unstable. Because we're always wandering around and we're saying, yeah, God, what have you done for me today? And I'm going to talk about that a little bit more in, in, in a little bit. I want to kind of take a little side trail here. As modern Christians, one of the things that that we talk about a lot is we talk about experience in the presence of the Lord. And, and i got to tell you, there's nobody that likes that more than I do to actually be able to, to bask in the presence of the Lord God Almighty. The Word says that it's a sweet place for us to be. And so it's something that we should desire. We should desire to be in that presence. Unfortunately, one of the things that we tend to do as modern Christians is we become, because we like that so much, we become experience seekers rather than God seekers. Whoa. And, and if we get off into that whole chasing and experience thing, in other words, we're running to and fro, you know, we're going to go to this conference or this worship deal or, or we're going to hear this speaker because I want to experience the Spirit of God fall on me. If we get caught up in that, it can really take us out of the game plan that God has prescribed for us through this. Does that make sense? See, the game plan that God has prescribed for us is to do those things that are fundamentally necessary, foundationally necessary, to get into relationship with God. So, if we're chasing around the experience, one of the things that it takes away from is it takes away from the, my, my, my desire to spend time with God one-on-one. It takes away from my desire to get into His Word and have Him re- reveal His his truth to me. It takes away from my ability to trust in Him and let Him come through when I'm in need. So, I want to remain in His game plan and I want to, I want to seek His will. Here's the thing. God proved His love for us. As a matter of fact, Romans 5.8 says... And I want you to hear this. Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrates, demonstrates His own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Did you catch that? This is important. God demonstrates. Not did do it, but He's doing it right now. Okay? He's doing it right now for us. He's loving each and every one of us right now, today, right where we're at. And I know that as I opened up, some of you sit there and go, well, I'm not feeling it, God. But you know what? 
Because Christ died for us, God's loving you. He's doing it right now. You see this? This is important. He is an eternal God. And because it doesn't matter to Him what you're experiencing. Oh yeah, it does matter to Him about what you're experiencing and He is concerned. But He expects you to love Him through that experience. Does that make sense? Um, If there's anybody in this sanctuary that that have just heard that for the first time, in other words, that God is demonstrating His love for me, and you don't understand what that means, then I want to encourage you to come up and I want to talk with you after the service, just briefly. I want to talk to you about what that means. What it means to experience the fact that God is demonstrating His love for you right now through Christ Jesus. Okay. So before I leave this point, I want to, I want to get you to get your mind around the fact that God has commanded us to love Him. He's demonstrating that He loves us. If He has commanded that we are to love Him, and He is demonstrating that He loves us, we know that it is an actionable thing. It's not a feeling. It's not an emotion. And what I would say is that let's leave here today, ignited in 2011, We're going to go out and we're going to say, you know what, I am going to take those actions. I am going to obey the commandment. I am going to choose to love the Lord. Hosea 6 says, come and let us return to the Lord. Let us know, let us pursue the knowledge of the the Lord. And of course, James 4 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So let's go out and let's draw near to God this year. And show him that we love him. Okay. I want to issue a slight disclaimer here. Because it can be very easily confused what I'm, what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about living a, a monastic, withdrawn, unemotional, detached life. Matter of fact, Romans 12 tells us that we rejoice with those who rejoice and we weep with those who weep. And Jesus wept when he heard of the, the death of his dear friend Lazarus. I want to encourage you, each and every one, to walk in a manner that would demonstrate. Those emotions. that you, I want you to be emotional about your walk. Because you know what? As you leave here, you, if you have Christ Jesus on board, have hope. You have joy. You have peace. And so you walk out those things, those emotions that God has privileged to give to you before men. And because you walk those things out and and people see you walk those things out, that becomes your testimony. 
You are testifying to the things that God did for you through Christ Jesus. So we leave here, we're a joyful people. When, the, when, when, it, when it's time to rejoice, we are joyful. When it's time to be at peace and the world seems like it's swirling all around you, we are the ones that walk in peace. And people notice that. People notice that. And by doing so, you're going to testify to those that need Jesus, that need to be in relationship with God through Christ Jesus. Okay, here's the second point I want to address. The world tells us it's all about you. Matter of fact, I, I just wrote down a few advertising jingles. AT&T says, your world delivered. Burger King says, have it your way. L'Oreal, and I, I can't get this one. I guess it's because it's for Marietta. It says, because you're worth it. <laughs> Bank of America says, think what we can do for you. Mm-hmm. McDonald says, you, you deserve a break today. And the Army says, be all that you can be. And Visa says, it's everywhere you want to be. Well, let me tell you, brothers and sisters, that since the Lord gave me this word to deliver, I've considered this whole concept about it's all about you, and I'm going to turn it around now, so I want to talk about me. That <laughs> I don't mean that like it sounds. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> anyway, I've considered this, 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 this whole issue, you know, that, that, and I've considered it carefully since the Lord gave me this word, and I'm, I'm thinking about it, and I'm going, well, can it ever be about me? <laughs> oh, my gosh. And I, I got to tell you, I, ca- I came to the conclusion that there's two ways that I can hear that it's all about me and hear it for real. There's two ways. <laughs> the Lord Himself is telling me that it's all about me. And I can believe that. Whoa. The Lord Himself will tell me, you know what, Greg? It is all about you. And I can receive that. And you know what? I am going to receive it. And then the other way that I can receive it is that the Lord, operating through another person who has, who is un- operating under the influence of the Holy Spirit, the Lord can have somebody else come to me and say, you know what, Greg, it's all about you. Did you catch that? Because they're operating in obedience to the commandment that Jesus gave. Did you catch it? So the Lord can send somebody that says, you know, I am going to listen to what God said. And I'm going to esteem Greg 
better than myself. And so if that happens, then I can say, okay, yeah, this is all about me. And it does happen. It happens. Here's the deal. If I hear the message that it's all about me from anywhere else, anywhere else, I need to examine that real closely. If it's the world that's telling me that, it ain't about me. If it's somebody, if it's my own flesh, if it's the enemy that's telling me it's all about me, that's a lie. Because we are in a fallen world. This is a sinful world. We're making our way through, though, brothers and sisters. Praise God. As we read earlier, here's the thing. Jesus, as he was often wont to do, Jesus took the law and he raised it to the higher standard. So when he answered the scribe in that dialogue that we read about in Mark 12, when he answered that scribe and he said, love your neighbor, love your neighbor, he took it to a whole other level, what was being taught in Deuteronomy, what the Lord was delivering through Moses back in Deuteronomy. So he tied those two together. So here's what I want to challenge you for in 2011. If you want to be closer to God's kingdom, if you want to move, begin to move to a place where you are literally abiding in God's love, then I would suggest that you begin to take some action to love your neighbor. Okay? That's what we need to do in 2011. We need to begin to abide in God's love by loving our neighbor. And as we learned in the Truth Project, and I thought it was effectively taught, our neighbor is those that we come across that are in need. It may not be our physical neighbor, but it may, it may be that person that we come across that has a need. It may be that person that, that our culture has deemed unlovable. That person that needs help. That person that needs some encouragement. And you know what? Even in the body of Christ, it may need, mean that, that we love our neighbor by exhorting a brother or sister that needs some correction. I don't know. But let's, let's make a commitment to overcome what the world is telling us about love in 2011 by loving our neighbor. It's not about us. It's not about me. Amen? Amen. Okay. Here's the third point. The world will tell us we can have it now. And I don't want to sound too much like Forrest Gump. But we got instant oatmeal and instant coffee. We got instant pudding. And we got instant messaging. And even today, we got instant movies. So the world is sending us the message that not only can we have it, but we can have it right now. As a matter of fact, the, the world goes to beyond even that. And the world tells us, not only can we have it right now, but they go a step further and they say, you deserve it right now. Whoa. Whoa. You deserve it right now. 
But you know what, brothers and sisters? I've got to tell you. The truth of the matter is, is that this is not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is eternal. And so, we can, we can be radically saved by Christ Jesus. And during my walk, I've known a few people that have, have been radically saved. I mean, it was like they drove right off a cliff and over the edge. And they drove in there and Jesus changed them radically right now. Right now. And it was awesome. It's awesome to see that. And I praise God every time I see it. But the truth of the matter is, is that the kingdom of God is an eternal place. When you begin to look at things and you begin to take on that eternal perception, that eternal mindset, when I begin to look at others as eternal beings, things change. And I want to encourage you, brothers and sisters, that are sitting out there and you're going, you are the ones that are going, you know what? I used to have it. I used to have it. But I, I don't seem like I got it right now. What's going on, God? Well, I want to encourage you. Because even where you're at right now, God is working if you're pursuing Him. You may feel a little bit distant from God, but don't worry, God is right there. You may feel like you have not stepped into the calling that God has for you. Maybe you got a prophetic word six years ago, and you're still waiting around for it to happen. Don't worry. If you're pursuing God, if you're loving God, God is preparing you. You understand that? It's going to happen. God is eternal. God sees it. God's got it. Check it out. The Apostle Paul, he gets radically saved. I mean, he has an encounter with Christ Jesus. <laughs> I mean, this guy, it's biblical. This guy gets slam dunk for Jesus. And he goes into the city and finally, you know, the Lord kind of relents and the scales fall off and he preaches for a little bit. But one of the things that we don't read very often is that right after that short season of preaching, Paul barely makes it out of the city alive and he goes to Arabia for, some scholars would say three years, well the, the word says three years, some scholars say 13 years. This is a time of preparation for Paul. Now, Paul had an encounter with Christ Jesus, but, the, but God took him away for either three years or 13 years and spent time with him, spent time pouring into him, spent time preparing him for a, a mighty calling. As a matter of fact, when God called Paul, he said, He is my chosen vessel. He's going to deliver this message to the Gentiles. But it wasn't right then. So I want you to be encouraged. As a matter of fact, that very Paul, that very Paul, 
writing to the church in Corinth, said, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. I'm, I'm reading from the King James because I like this, this, this version. So run that ye may obtain. Run that ye may obtain. I like that passage for a couple of reasons. The first off is that what Paul is saying to the, the Corinthians is, get in the race, guys. Get in the race. So run. And it's interesting because the Greek word that he uses there is a Greek word called trecho, which means you guys get in there and run, but at a constant and you want to pace yourself. It implies a pacing of your race. So get in the race, make sure that you're in it for the long run, and you're going to be okay. That's what Paul is telling the the church at Corinth, and that's what I'm telling you right now. Take, if you don't mind, you can go ahead and come on up here. We'll get ready to close this thing. Here's the deal. I look around and I see long-term marriages. And i got to tell you, I, I'm encouraged when I see those folks that have been married for 50, 60, 65 years. Because when I look at that, it reminds me that, you know, what I see when I look at that is I say, you know what, there were a lot of choices made during that 65 years. There were a lot of decisions where, where those people decided to lay it down and to forgive one another and to turn and come back together no matter what was said, no matter, no matter what emotion was being encountered in that relationship, these people overcame. They endured. They ran the race. They realized that it's not about me, and they esteemed the other as better than themselves in a lot of cases. They knew that that relationship was about a set of choices, and they made those decisions. Here's the thing. With God... God is constant. He is eternal. He is the one that is worthy of our love. So it's easy to do it. We don't have to overcome anything. What we have to overcome is we have to overcome those things that are in ourselves. I'm going to close by praying over this body. And then I'm going to ask Pastor Allen to come up here and give the ironic blessing over us. I want to remind you that if there was anything that I said up here and you don't know about Jesus Christ and you heard something about God right now demonstrating His love for you, and I want to talk to you, so come see me after this service. I just want to close by by praying over all of us. When I pray, I'm going to use the word we. But i got to tell you that when I pray, I'm praying for myself. Okay? 
let's let's just go before the Lord in prayer. Lord, I, we all come before you during this new year, Lord. We thank you, Lord God, that we walk today in the promise that your mercies are new every morning and your mercies are new this year. Lord God, where we have failed to pursue a, a loving relationship, where we have failed to pursue you with all of our heart and our mind, Lord, just like we're commanded to do. Father, for those things, we repent. Father, we declare that today we're going to make a decision to love you. And we recognize that those things are actions. And we're going to demonstrate our love for you through action, Lord. Father, where we have said that it's all about us, Lord, we lay that down, Lord. And we say, here we are, Lord God, and in the name of Jesus, use us as your willing vessel in this world, Lord, to show your love to others, Father. Thank you for that. And Lord, when we get impatient, Lord, we just repent for our impatience and our failure to to see things the way that you see them. And Father, we repent for the times that we take up those things and try to fix them ourselves. When you're working on it, you've already got it, Lord. Help us, Lord, in our weakness, Lord God. Help us to be patient. Help us to be kingdom-minded. Help us to be eternally focused, Lord. Help us to know that you are, I am, as we leave here and walk through 2011. Lord God, I just thank you that you are faithful, Lord, to hear our prayer. That you're faithful to turn away and and not remember the fact that we've done some of these things that we repented of. Father, we praise you this morning. We give you praise always. We give you praise in 2011. We love you, Lord. Use us in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Greg, for that confirming and challenging word. Who's received the word today? Thank you so much. I was drawn to prayer yesterday. I know we're supposed to pray, but sometimes the Lord helps us and draws us to pray. And So I prayed for a long time for me, and uh, this phrase came to my heart. And I think, you know, God inspires us, and we're to judge that. If it, if it applies to our hearts, receive it. And, He told me to contend for the will of heaven in 2011, which will be a whole lot of loving going on. So I think this year you're going to hear a lot about love and a lot of opportunities to express that love and receive God's love and express it to others for Him. Amen. I heard about a church that had a banner up over their stage that said, Live loved, hyphen, live love. Live loved, that's us. Live loved, that's others. Amen. Let's stand.
Lord, we want to live love. And we want to give love. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause His face to shine upon you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you His peace. Amen. As Will Rogers said, may the good Lord take a liking to you. God bless you. Go get them, tigers. Amen. Praise the Lord.